Welcome to the St. Elias Report, where evil and heresy are exposed by the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ through sacred scripture and tradition of the one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I am your host and humble servant of God, George Anthony. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, we ask you to bless this podcast and all that listen, so that my voice may be the voice of the Holy Spirit, and my thoughts may be the thoughts of the Holy Spirit. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to guide and bless me, to guide and bless all those that listen, and all those that learn and gain power, spiritual, mental, and all the blessings that come from this podcast. We ask you to come into me right now, Lord Jesus Christ with your Holy Spirit, and allow me to educate those that listen and to give you glory above all other things and all other people so that this podcast can be an instrument for you and your kingdom. We pray these things through the intercession of the most blessed Virgin Mary, our mother of sorrows, St. Joseph, the terror of demons, St. Michael, the arch archangel, all the angels and saints and holy martyrs, Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's been quite some time since my last podcast, or at least that's what my producer and my technical advisor have been telling me. And I'm coming to you today because I have a little bit of an urgency. Uh, Last podcast, we talked about masculine Christianity or Christian masculinity. And today we're going to be talking about some things that I've just been noticing in my everyday life here where I live. We're going to call it yoga mom evil. Oh, that sounds scary. What's yoga mom evil? All right, well, yoga mom evil is the things that everyday Americans and frankly people around the world just take for granted. Let's start off with a list like I usually like to do. Let's talk about tarot cards and yoga And the evil eye, crystals, burning of sage, fortune tellers, horoscopes, Ouija boards, and pretty much everything else has crept its way into our society. You know, unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, it's almost as if we've been asleep. We go to church on Sunday, you know, when we're wearing a crystal or or we have an evil eye around our neck. And we think nothing of it. You know, even in some cultures, and I I can tell you from my culture, that right next to the cross, certain people put an evil eye, as if it has equal power to God. This is ridiculous. Now, you're probably out there, if you're listening to this podcast, you have already know what I'm about to say. But additionally, there's some people that are listening to this podcast for their edification and, frankly, to learn. So I'm not going to pound too hard until I give you the lesson. And then if you don't hear the lesson, we'll we'll pound on it again. 
So what are we going to do? Let, let's talk about why these things are evil. Not preferably evil, not categorically. They're, they're, they're evil. Done. You can't have anything, anything, anything next to Jesus Christ. Meaning that if you give anything merit that has power, you're, you're, have, you have committed a mortal sin. All right, so let, let's go through this one by one. Let's talk about everybody's favorite, and the one I'm going to get the most emails for is yoga. And I frankly know that a lot of you are going to disagree with me, but I'm going to preach Holy Mother Church, and I'm going to give you the reasons why yoga is evil. All right, so starting with yoga. So yoga is a practice of the yogis, or the, the Hindu holy men in India and across the East. Yoga is the practice of worshiping multiple gods, and the positions that one puts themselves in are actually prayerful positions. Oh, you say, George, it's only stretching. Yeah, it's only stretching. But so is the sign of the cross, just a hand movement across, uh, across your body. So what's happening here? The stretches that you're doing downward dog and all the rest of them, are worshiping a particular god. And there might be even some yoga instructors that are using the om, the centering prayer of the yogis. All these things in themselves don't mean you have to believe in the evil powers that are behind them. Yes, I said evil. I believe Hinduism is evil and Buddhism is evil because St. Paul said, Anyone who gives worship to anything other than Jesus Christ, it's a demon. So I, I have no qualms about putting that out there. If it was good enough for St. Paul, it's good enough for me. All right, so let's go back to the yoga, the rant. So these positions are actually prayerful positions. And we say, well, that's not how I look at it. Okay, well, the sign of the cross could just be baseball signals too. Touching your forehead, touching your stomach touching your left shoulder and touching your right shoulder. Or if you're Orthodox or Eastern Catholic, you touch your left shoulder and then your right shoulder. But they have power. Regardless of what you believe, they have power. I could care less if you think it's not. I'm warning you now, and after the sound of my voice, you hear this podcast and you continue on, you're now culpable. Sorry, guys. Sorry, gals. So. We need to be cognizant that when the church says yoga is evil, it's saying it for a reason. You can do all the stretching in the world you want. You could do all the meditation in the world you want, but it has to be centered on Jesus Christ. And frankly, yoga isn't. And none of those positions, none of those positions do anything except give glory to, to demons. Okay, so, you know, even if a Hindu person did the sign of the cross, is he giving glory to his gods or is he giving glory to Jesus Christ? He's giving glory to Jesus Christ, whether he knows it or not. There's things that just have innate power. They just have power built into them. And there's nothing you can do. Your intention matters not. I hear it over and over and over in the paranormal world, as well as the spiritual world, your intention uh, means more than the actual thing itself. Well, your intention is very important, but your intention is not the be-all, end-all. There are some things that are just intrinsically evil, like the drawing of a pentagram on the floor 
is intrinsically evil. Now, why am I saying that? Okay, because I live in a community where Halloween is like ginormous. And we have a lot of people that they, they, they're decoration happy. You know, Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, Halloween. And that's fine. That's great. I love celebrating the holidays and I love decorating. But when it comes to Halloween, sometimes the decorations get a little bit dark and, and crazy. And I am thinking of this one gentleman who has every year some kind of mer- – no, he's got beautiful Christmas decorations and a, and a nativity scene on Christmas. Don't get me wrong. This guy is like amazing with his Christmas decorations. But during Halloween, instead of just your pumpkins and your scary, your scary ghost, you have murder scenes – tombstone scenes and you have you have a bunch of pentagrams and and witches and you know i'm not talking about your like your your little witches i'm talking about some evil visual stuff now if you sit there and tell me that he's not causing harm to himself i won't believe it anytime you draw a pentagram anywhere you're doing the same thing as when you do the sign of the cross or you anoint someone with holy water, or you draw a holy symbol. So these things have power innately. It's, it's, it doesn't matter what you believe. They are what they are. It, listen, it goes for horoscopes. It goes for tarot cards. I know 95% of the people I, I, I meet and I know, including some family members, are all into reading the horoscopes for fun. Do they really believe? Excuse me. Do they really believe what the horoscopes are telling them? No, they don't. They don't believe. But but the, the problem is, it doesn't matter what you believe. It matters what you're doing. We are given instruction that will have no other gods before God, Yahweh, the first person of the Holy Trinity. And we're also given instruction in the Old Testament regarding witchcraft, divination, talking to spirits and anything else. Well, divination is just trying to learn the future and tarot cards and horoscopes, you know, your daily whatever horoscope, daily news horoscope, daily whatever the paper is near you. You're trying to learn the future. Even if you're even if you have like 1% serious or half percent serious in you, you still have a curiosity that is unhealthy. And there's biblical there are biblical passages that warn us against what is going to happen if you continue down this path? Now, listen, I, why am I calling this segment Yoga Mom Evil? Because most of the things here are not sacrificing babies and uh, murdering dogs and hanging and drinking blood. It's not like that. But I can tell you what, it starts somewhere. Now, does your typical, aka Yoga Mom, so- we call them Yoga Moms now. We're cool. We don't call them soccer moms. When I was growing up, they were soccer moms. Um, but does your typical Yoga Mom, set out to do evil? No. But is she or is the stay-at-home dad doing evil by investing, you know, priority in these things? Absolutely. 100%. So we have to be cognizant. If we're going to live in a Christian household and a Christian life, we need to get rid of these things. Here's another one for you people. Dream catchers. Oh, you know, when you visit the Native American reservation or you went down south or you went to Texas and, you know, you thought in a craft store, it was, it was really nice and it looked beautiful. And it's going to, we have a, or we have a Southwestern theme in our house. Get rid of them. Native American spirits are evil. You're going to hear a theme here. A lot of people aren't going to like it. 
I'm basically going to say this, and let me just get it off my chest because people are going to either ask me questions or they're going to want to do this ecumenical dance, which I'm not doing. When I talk about ecumenism, I'm talking about our brothers in Christ that don't have the fullness of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. That's ecumenism to me, not reaching out to people who believe in demons or other than Jesus Christ. If you don't have the Trinity, you have a demon, period. So all other religions, I don't believe their practitioners are evil because they're children of God. However, they are following an evil philosophy. Point blank, period. Do not send me emails and ask me, how about this one? How about this? Everything other than Christianity. And Christianity is defined people who believe in the Holy Trinity. Everything else is doctored, is evil, done. All right, so we got that off our chest. Now I can go back to talking about what we were trying to talk about. So dream catchers, it's also divination. Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to catch the dream. Uh, in a sense, you're, you're trying to hold on to, you know, if you had a good dream. And I think they also believe that you filter out the bad dreams. You have no, you have a no authority in your dream. The dream world belongs to Jesus Christ like everything else on this earth. From every rock and every stone to the sun, the moon, and the stars and everything in between. I keep pounding on this because I hear Christians I call them exceptional Christians, right? So th this is a word that just came to me. The Holy Spirit just put it in my head. And I do not mean exceptional Christians. Christians live an exceptional life. I mean Christians that have an exception for everything in Christianity. It's the, oh, but George. Oh, but Jesus. Oh, but whoever's in authority or whoever's doing the teaching. I can't believe that phrase just came to my head. Praise be to God. So these exceptional Christians, not Christians of exceptional value, worth, and piety, but the people who always want to put a comma to everything, are the ones that I'm speaking to now. If you tend, or excuse me, if you want to continue to be a practicing Christian and in the family of Christ, under the mantle of the Blessed Mother and the Holy Spirit, you need to get rid of these things. These crystals, okay, here we're going to go to go with the crystals. I know I'm going to have people on me with the crystals. There are two types of crystal collectors, and then there's a middle ground for, for, for this as well. Crystals are another form of energy uh, divination or seeking to um, absorb the energy that comes from rocks. Now, do I have any problem with scientific discovery about minerals and crystals? No. Do I have any problem with people who collect crystals? No. But let me be very clear about the origin of getting crystals if you're a rock collector, if you're, if you're someone who likes that. Because I know a lot of folks that are, they either like them for prettiness or jewelry. If you're going to a place that is clearly a cult in nature and you pick up some crystals or rocks or whatever, you can almost rest assured that the purpose for those crystals or rocks have an occult meaning behind them. It doesn't matter your intention. Remember, get your intention out of your head and remember what we're talking about. Your intention doesn't matter in the thing that's intrinsically meant for evil or meant to do something else. Okay. So if you're picking up your, your, you know, crystals at the local flea market and there's a guy, he's, a, he digs up rocks and he sells them and he polishes them. Wonderful. Perfect. It doesn't matter if those crystals those sort of crystals or type of crystals are used in 
witchcraft and whatever. Those came from a what I call a pure place. But if you're going to like, you know, Harry's occult spiritual shop or Bob's spiritual shop, and you're not going there for a cult, but you know they have crystals, no. Those have either been blessed with the intention to be used in divination and other other rituals, or or they've been cursed. So you you need to not do that. Okay. They have power. Things have power. Drawing a pentagram has power. Crystals have power. They have unintentional power. Your intention matter not here. Here's another yoga mom favorite. In fact, I just smelled it the other day. Sage burning. Can you people, for the love of Jesus, for the love of everything holy, especially Christians, stop burning sage? I get the argument all the time when I'm talking, well, you burn incense. Yes, I burn blessed incense. I either get it from a Orthodox monastery or a cat or a Catholic shop, or I get it from uh, the church store and I have the priest bless it. It's blessed incense. It's not sage. The only thing that sage does is used in witchcraft and divination. Your intention doesn't matter. I keep repeating myself. I feel like I'm doing, uh, you know, the Baptist call and response where I, I continue pounding a theme. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to purify your hearts and minds. And why I'm saying this and why I say it with such passion right now is because I know people who are praying the rosary and reading the Bible and, and, and going to church and receiving Holy Eucharist and receiving confession. And on top of all this, they still got the evil eye. They still doing the tarot card thing. They got the crystal. So it's like you're, you're just negating the holiness that you, you're trying to intend for you and your family. So I'm like, well, what, what can I do? I said, all right, well, the only thing I can do besides causing controversy with the people I know, and you know, I do speak to them about it, is get on the podcast and let a wider audience hear what I have to say. Hopefully, I reach 20 people. Literally, if I reach 20 people, I'm happy. But all this, all this, all these things that you, you think do not matter, they actually have evil built into them. You know, it's, it's like the old days. You know, you could tell my age with the Ouija board. You just do a sleepover, we pull out the Ouija board, and we do this, that, and the other thing. You know, as soon as I found out at a very young age that the Ouija board was divination of spirits and trying to talk to, I was I was done with it. In fact, I think I I took we took it out in the backyard and we burned it. And and that was before I even came to Christ fully. It was just me hearing that I could possibly bring something up from from the from the netherworld. And you know, I wasn't like, you know, I was scared of being possessed or anything, although I should have been. But what it was is that God built in feature in me to be scared of the things that are not of Christ. Right? I wasn't fully biblical then. I wasn't fully understanding the seven sacraments. I wasn't fully in the Lord's graces, but I have, and we all have an ability to understand what's wrong and what's right. Sometimes we tend to say, ah, well, that's just what we've been told. We've been brainwashed. No, we haven't been brainwashed. We are created, ladies and gentlemen, my brothers and sisters, an image and likeness of God. And we have a radar or a, a sonar rather that allows us to know what's wrong. You know exactly what I'm saying, and I'm going to convict you now by the sound of my voice. You know your closeted sins. I know mine. Those are the ones that we look over our shoulder to make sure no one is looking at. 
Those are the ones when we close our phone, we make sure to delete our history. Those are the ones that we do in the secret of our room or the secret of, of a place where no one can see us. Those are the ones that we don't speak with people unless they have those same sins. If you can't proclaim what you're doing in secret to others, it's a sin, period, period. If I'm asked at my job what I believe about Jesus Christ and I become a secret squirrel Christian all of a sudden where I go, well, um, you know, I think he was a good guy. Hey, I better preach some kind of podcast style at my job. Now, obviously, I'm going to do it in a business-like manner, but anything that you hide from others and you're not proud of is usually a sin. I mean, it's a very good generalization. I mean, obviously, we're not talking about if you have a disease and um, you're just not willing to share it with the world. No one's calling you to do that. But if you do an action and you think twice about it in the bowels of your mind and in your heart, it's usually bad. So what I'm trying to do right now, brothers and sisters, is convict you. So if you didn't know before, you've been told, like they say on the street. Now you know. Because there's a lot of innocent people out there, and innocent in the, in the fact of naive, not innocent of their actions, because we're all accountable for their, our actions. You know, if I murder a baby, I'm accountable for my actions, whether I knew abortion was murder or not. But the fact that now that I've been convicted by someone to tell me such things, now it becomes a mortal sin of grave matter. So I am convicting you here, and I'm taking that time to do so, so I don't let anyone get off easy, because it's not me who's going to call you to repentance. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm just his microphone. I have nothing. In fact, I got on this podcast talking to our producer, Vic, and I was like, Vic, I got something to say and I'm not prepared and I really don't care, but I have an idea what I'm going to say and let the Holy Spirit ramble through me. And that's what he's doing. Praise be to God. So let's let's talk about these other things. So I, I, I can fully cover the gamut of yoga slash soccer mom, you know, soccer dad, soccer yoga dad, whatever you call it. I'm not being sexist. I'm really not. It's just a, it's just a funny kind of kind of way to get some things out there because you usually see females to be quite honest with you meddling in these type of things and and frankly the mother is the heart of the home what the mother does so doeth the children right so it, it, it carries to the children so let's cut off this evil now let's cut off this nonsense now and hopefully it doesn't carry over to the next generation so tarot cards that's another thing you know these uh Miss Cleo, call me now, 900 numbers. I don't even know. Do they have 900 numbers? Probably not. But these, these things where you go and, you know, on the boardwalk, let's say, or down the, down the seashore or along the coast where you go to psychics, right? That's what they call them. They call them psychics. Back in the day, we used to have 900 numbers. They're kind of like 800 numbers, but they were for charge. And you would call in and someone on the other line, a supposed psychic, would tell you, the future, and all the things that were going to happen in your life. That's divination. That's evil. So are the psychics down, down the shore or, or on, the, on, the, uh, on the coast. You, they know nothing given to them by God. They know things given to them by Satan himself. Now, why I say that? Because Satan was an angel. Okay, We're going to get a little theology like 101 right here. Satan's a fallen angel. When he fell from heaven because he refused to serve God, and because he refused to recognize that Jesus Christ, the Logos, the Word made flesh, was going to, God was going to come into human form because humans are so much less powerful than angels, he rebelled and he said he would not serve. I will not serve. 
he damned himself and all the ones that followed him because he was a general in God's army, just like St. Michael and uh, St. Raphael and St. Gabriel, the three the three ar- uh, angels in God's army that we know of. There's many others, but the three famous ones that we know from the Bible and from tradition. He refused to serve. He didn't lose any of his power. And certain portions of his power, I shouldn't say certain, all his powers remain, but certain portions of his power allow him to calculate and estimate man, meaning that, no, can he see into the future? Absolutely not. Only God can. Only God the Father can. He, the devil, cannot. What the devil can do is make very good calculated guesses based on his centuries of being around and observing man. So he's able to see what you're going to do and your reactions and juxtapose them about in the future. Now, we can always surprise the devil. It's not a be-all, end-all. God knows what we're going to do. He knows if we're going to go left or right. He knows if I'm going to say this or that. Why does he know? Because he created us. So the devil has a certain amount of power. And he has the ability to, I don't want to say see into the future, but estimate the future with great, great, great proximity. Those things that go to the psychic, whether you call them uh, verbalizations, uh, locutions, or anything that goes to the psychic are from the devil. They're not coming from God. Because I'm sorry, there are seers in the church. There are modern seers in the church right now that work with exorcists. There's seers in the church like Padre Pio who've been canonized saints. And there's, there's, you know, what I call stay-at-home mom seers as well. God gives people gifts of the Holy Spirit. Is it possible to see into the future? Absolutely. But once you start charging for it, even if it was a gift from God, it becomes demonic and satanic, and the devil jumps right in and co-ops that ability. The people who have genuinely seen power, and I've met a couple, they don't charge for their quote-unquote services. In fact, it's not a service. It's a gift to you. It's a gift to you. Now, there's some people out there that don't charge if they, frankly, like to jump on uh, the bandwagon, so to speak, and tell you this, that, and the other thing. In fact, um, I'm going to mention one that I met. I'm not going to mention her by name. But my uh, family member, a very close family member to me, had uh, surgery. And I was sharing this with a group of people online that I was very close to. And this one particular individual jumped out and told me, that he was going to have severe bleeding and being with an inch of his life. And since I heard this, I did the sign of the cross because something in me got icky and nasty. And it felt like it was not of this world. It didn't feel like it was well. And it didn't come from a place of, let me tell you about something you should prepare for in prayer. It was, let me show off my supposed power. And let me tell you, I knew exactly that it was wrong the minute uh, I heard it. And I said, I don't need to hear anymore. It's in God's hands. Vic and... And Dave, uh, my producer and one of my best friends and my technical advisor and one of my best friends know exactly who I'm talking about. And that person proceeded to say that I was challenging their power and their view of the world and their religion. And I was nothing but a bigot because I don't believe in things that come from the devil. I'm so sorry. I know that individual did not believe that she was doing the devil's work, but she she like myself was a was being uh used by a power greater than greater than she was she just hasn't come to realize that 
In any case, those psychics are being used by the devil. What their intention is matter not. But the fact that you're going to go to someone who's going to charge you money to tell you the future, first of all, it's not going to be the future because the future is only known by God Almighty. Second of all, if they did have any power given to them by God Almighty and now they're charging for it, demon automatically, this you know, satanic one, he automatically co-ops that. And God releases his hand from you immediately because it's like, it's like selling Holy Eucharist. The minute the priest starts selling Holy Eucharist, communion, he's now been co-opted by the devil. Forget that his hands are consecrated. Forget that he's anointed. Forget all those things. He's of the devil now. Period. There's nothing else to say with regards to that. So, guys, stop doing that stuff down the shore and on the coast. It's, it's, it's not good for your soul. And, and frankly, it's not good for anyone. So we covered yoga. We covered evil eye. We covered dream catchers, covered tarot cards, and we, we covered crystals. You know, and there's so much other stuff on a daily basis that's come. I mean, look, back in the day, chain letters. For the love of God, chain letters, okay? Um, if you guys don't know what chain letters are, let me, let me um, explain them to you. We, sometimes they're now chain emails. I don't even know if people do them anymore. But uh, for the older people like myself in the audience, let's explain what chain letters are. So you get a letter and it says a whole bunch of stuff. It doesn't really matter what the, what the uh, middle part of the letter is because it's usually harmless. And at the end, it talks about if you break this chain then bad luck will befall upon you. And it's usually like your eyes will fall out or some, some kind of craziness, some kind of, some kind of weirdo, you know, curse or hex or, or bad luck. There's no such thing as bad luck, people. Get over it. There is no luck. There's blessings and there's curses. There's easy life and carrying your cross. And it doesn't mean if you carry a cross, mean pain and suffering, that's necessarily negative. We have to stop associating pain and suffering with negative. You know, sometimes evil feels really, 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 really good. Uh, and y'all know what I'm talking about. Guess you. I love doing that because you never, no one knows who I'm really talking about. But sometimes evil feels really, really good. And sometimes suffering feels like crap. But doesn't mean suffering is evil. It does for, for the love of God. Suffering is not evil. If suffering was evil, then Jesus Christ on the cross was evil. Now, was his crucifixion, the, the, the killing of our Lord and Savior, was it evil? Absolutely. Those men had evil, ill intentions in their heart. But his suffering wasn't evil. His father didn't allow him to suffer for evil, allowed him to suffer for sanctification, for the saving of our souls. So, we say give it up to God, right? Or, or at least the old people do. The older people than me say give it up to God. And I have a hard time with this. But my brothers and my wife and my family has helped me through this. And why I'm saying this is to give you some pointers. I'm not just here to point at you and preach to you. I'm here to point at you and preach to you. But I'm also doing that with a mirror as well. I'm looking at myself and looking at what, what I do and what I know to be true and how I can, how I can help you help myself and help my brothers and my sisters. We need to realize that the little everyday things count. You know, if you're going to church, you're receiving sacraments, you're teaching your kid in the sacraments, I commend you. Saying the rosary when you can, if you can, I commend you. You know, doing spiritual exercises, I don't mean like, you know, jumping jacks, but like, you know, things in the morning, like 
you know, saying a little prayer, a little Hail Mary, Our Father, before you go to work. These are great. But we have to also do things that negate evil. Remove the things from your home that are evil. We, I always talk about the pornography and the wife beating and the excessive drinking and, and the cursing. Remove that from your house. You're familiar with that by this podcast. You should have already heard me preach on that several hundred thousand times. But then these little things that there's like every day, you know, uh, wearing a jersey for good luck. That Listen, I don't care, gentlemen, what jersey you put on, what socks you don't wash, how many times you kick dirt across the home plate, how many times you slap the, the, the back of your helmet, or even if you kiss your crucifix in a superstitious way before you go up to bat or before your, you know, your son or daughter, you teach them how to, how to do these things. It's superstition. It's superstition. Jesus isn't concerned with your baseball game. He really isn't. Now, can you glorify God by playing baseball and watching baseball? Yeah, absolutely. How do you do that? You do that by being with others and having fun. Smile and be joyous. But if you think that doing a, a certain dance or a certain, you know, I see it all through baseball. I love baseball. Baseball is my favorite sport in the entire world. It's a thinking man's sport. I, I like the idea that it's slow and methodical and it, every, every, every move counts. It's not just a bunch of head bashing. Nothing against football. I know I'm going to get some emails. Nothing against hockey. But in baseball, you have to think about every single thing. And if you watch baseball very, very closely, you will find an immense amount of superstition, an immense amount of demonology, an immense amount of witchcraft. People are saying, oh, they're just playing baseball. No, 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 no. I see more voodoo and hoodoo beads next to crosses on some of my favorite players that come from Latin America than anyone else. I see more Western players talking about, you know, your average Caucasian player doing the, the oh, I don't have, I have to do a certain move before I pitch a ball or I have to do a certain move before I get up to bat. That does nothing. That does zero, absolutely, 100%, except you giving power to the demon. Now, people are going to come back at me and say, well, I know certain players that have a crucifix around their neck, and they kiss the crucifix. You ask them, and I can't be their judge, but I'll let God be their judge. Are some glorifying Jesus Christ? I guarantee you they are. But I guarantee you there's a segment. It's just the charm. It's just the charm. And all it is is a superstition to them. That's not for me to judge, but I can tell you that religious things can become superstitious as well. It's not just your uh, your, your crystals and your, your your tarot cards and your your evil eye necklaces and charms. Religious things can become superstitious as well. If you believe they have power and the power given to them by God, and God can control whether or not they can be used for good, then that's fine. But if you believe that you always have to have something on because, but you don't believe what's behind it, you don't believe in the 2,000 years of tradition and Bible behind it, then we have a superstition. Like I have it right now, I have a cross on my neck. I have a, a St. Benedict's medal cross. It's blessed by an exorcist and in the old rite. And I wear it every single day religiously. If I forget this, do I freak the heck out? No, I do not freak the heck out. 
because I know that Jesus is going to protect me from whatever it is. But it's my devotion to keep it around my neck as much as I can, except when I sleep because I don't want to choke out myself or stab my wife in the eye because that would be very, 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 very bad. Um, but I don't freak out if I if I misplace it or I don't freak out like, oh, I can't leave the house because my cross. That's insane. That means you don't believe in the power of the Lord. This is only a reminder of the power of the Lord. This isn't the power of the Lord. The Lord can do whatever he wants. If the Lord destroyed right now the catechism and the seven sacraments, which he will not do because he's a loving and just and a frankly logical God. But if he did, his power is still there. His glory is still there. He doesn't need holy water. He doesn't need incense. He doesn't need anything. We need them. Therefore, his mercy and his grace has given them to us so we could glorify him. He doesn't need that. They're not, they're, he's, he is who he is by power of who he is. We, our intention our, doesn't do anything to add to the kingdom of heaven. So if you use religious things superstitiously, stop that also. You know, you can bless your house as much as you want, but let's say you do it every Thursday and you forget one Thursday. If your next thought process is, I don't know what's going to happen. I didn't bless the house. You're just as superstitious as the guy using the evil eye or doing the baseball signs or whatever else we're talking about. So you guys got to, you guys got to, scrupulosity. There's the big $5 word right there. Scrupulosity. It means that you're taking something religious with a good intention. Again, intentions don't matter, but you're turning it into something that is is just belittling it to, to the world. You're taking it and you're making it worldly. Can't do that. You can't do that. Like I know somebody who used to have to carry the same KGB Bible every single time they went to church. It didn't matter if it was another KGB Bible. You had to be King James Version, for those guys that don't know, Catholics who aren't uh, up on the Bible translations. Because, you know, we, we have another issue with Bible, and that'll be the next podcast, or coming there shortly. But how to take this KJV Bible every single time they went to church. Yet, when I'm talking to this individual, this person would say, you know, you Catholics are superstitious. I sat there and I, I literally I, I literally laughed. I'm like, I got to hear this one. Well, you have to do a certain thing every Sunday. I said, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Ritual and ritual worship is completely different than superstition. So then I addressed him. I said, well, why do you got to take this KGV Bible? What, what is so important about this Bible? I was thinking, I honestly thought I was going to get an actual educated answer and say, well, you know, I have certain notes in here and it took me, you know, many years. I was really praying that that would be the answer. <laughs> the answer wasn't about the notes or even that his dad, it belonged to his daddy and that, you know, it was sentimental to him and he felt like he had his father close to it. Those kind of things are kind of acceptable to me. He literally said, this is the Bible I've always used, and I feel like this is the one I need to use. Well, where's that feeling come from? That's not coming from God. His words in the KGV Bible? Okay, okay, Catholics, I hear you screaming at the screen. I hear it, I hear it, I hear it. Yes, they're missing books. I got it. But listen to what I'm saying. His word is in that Bible, whether partially or fully, just like it's in any other Bible, whether it's KJV Bible by this publisher, a KJV Bible by this publisher, the one his daddy gave him, the one his grandmama gave him, doesn't matter. The Bible is the Bible. 
Yes, minus the, I get it. I hear you. Thank you. Well taken. Don't email me. Regardless of what Bible translation he was using, he would have been just fine taking one off the shelf. But he felt this had some power that he was ascribing to it other than the word of God, which I brought to his attention was superstitious. Thankfully, that individual has heeded my word and no longer has such a nonsensical attitude with regards to that. So we really have to be very careful about, you know, what we are making other gods, what we're idolizing, so to speak, whether it be people, places, things, uh, your, your, your sports jersey. Listen, if you go to a baseball game and you're wearing the same sports jersey every time because that's the only one you have or because you really like that, that, that player, whether he's historical or current, fine. I commend you. I do that. If you're wearing it because you think that the game's outlook is going to be based on the wearing of your dirty, filthy, never washed jersey, shame on you. Not only is that disgusting, okay, <laughs> but it also has no power. So, you know, I started one of talking about these very occultish type practices, but the Holy Spirit has infused inside of my brain also talk about superstition. Um, there, there's a kind of superstition that we is acceptable in society. Okay. And there's a certain kind of superstition that is in our churches as well. Okay. If you forget to dip your hand in the holy water font and you just go sit down in, your, in, in a Catholic church, we have holy water fonts, right? You guys know this. Some people don't who are listening. If you forget to stick your hand in a holy water font and you go sit in your pew and you're waiting for the mass to begin and you feel like something is not right, you're being scrupulous. Because you're there for the Mass. The holy water is in addition to the Mass to remind us of our baptism, to the entrance in God's house. God's house is the church. It's a representation to remind you when you entered God's house, when you entered the kingdom of God. When you go into the church, it's supposed to be separated from the other. Therefore, the first thing you do, you know, besides park your car, obviously, is walk through the doors. And there should be, there should be, there should be. Listen to me, pastors, if, you, if you're if listening to this as well, because I don't know who's listening to this. A holy water font, font, either on the right, the left, or the center. Why? To remind us of our baptism. Why? Because baptism is the first sacrament, the entrance into God's kingdom. The church represents God's kingdom. Therefore, we are mimicking in a ritual style how we enter God's kingdom. Okay, great, wonderful. But if you didn't do it, it's fine. You're not going to hell. Nothing's going to happen to you. Do it on the way out. In fact, a lot of people, including myself, do it on the way in and the way out. Why? Because it's holy water. It's awesome. It's just one awesome thing given to us by God the Father and Holy Mother Church to remind us of our baptism and to bless us and to sanctify us. But you don't have to worry about it. You're in the house of God in front of the Blessed Sacrament. If you're going to use it as some kind of superstitious practice, trust me, God will remove the graces from it. He will remove the graces from it. It's not something that should be taken lightly. You don't have to go back and interrupt everybody in the pew just to go get your holy water. It, it's, it's the same thing I see. Praise be to God, the Holy Spirit is talking to me. And I don't mean he's audibly talking to me. I mean, these thoughts are coming into my head like I didn't even have before. It's the same practice at Ash Wednesday. Listen, I don't know what's going on Ash Wednesday, okay? They're giving out some free ashes. You guys know what Ash Wednesday is? It's the beginning of Lent. Or if you're in the the Eastern churches, whether Catholic or, or Orthodox, it started on Monday. So either Ash Monday 
or Ash Wednesday, when you go get your ashes, in the Western world, we, we have a sign of Christ put on our head with an X. In Europe and the rest of the world, they sprinkle the ashes on top of the head. Regardless, when you're going to get your ashes, and you're a frequent churchgoer, I'm not trying to measure your heart or your soul, but I'm, what I'm trying to say, do you ever notice that Ash Wednesday is super crowded? Everybody's going to get their ashes? Go next Sunday or go the first Sunday of Lent. You see nobody. You're not going to see anybody. Why? Because these people have used cultural Catholicism and cultural orthodoxy as a superstitious sign. I got to get blessed for Lent. I got to get blessed for Lent. Listen, if you were living like a hoe or a scumbag the rest of the year and you're going to get ashes, if you don't have confession and you sincerely repent for your sins, the little black smudge mark on the top of your head is nothing except a sign of your stupidity to use one of Christ's symbols and sacramentals as a way to be superstitious. I see it every single year. And I'm like, I don't understand why this parish has now a thousand people in overflow to get ashes. I'm not seeing them at Good Friday. I don't see them at Holy Thursday. I don't see them at every Sunday in Lent, but they're getting the ashes. And it's like, they're, they're serious about, I got to get the blessing. Well, is God going to bless you because of a priest puts ashes on your head that you just run out into the world and do stupidity? Or even, even more likely that you continue the same lifestyle before, during, and after the service? You've now made a sacramental into nothing more than, than, than well, dirt. Dirt. That's all it is. In itself, it's holy and, sac- and sacramental. But what you've done is you said that God can't bless you without this thing. Listen, God has blessed people and come to them in the bowels of the ugliest and stupidest and most desecrated places on earth. And God has removed his graces from people with inside the church. Oh, yeah, I said it. God has removed his graces from people within the inside the church. Now, I can't judge that to be certain, but it's a pretty good pretty good sign that if you're a child molesting priest, uh, uh, a butt touching uh, cardinal like McCarrick, that God has removed his graces from you until you sincerely repent. Shame on you for thinking you wear that cross around your neck and it's some sort of blessing. It makes you some sort of holy person. It makes you nothing. I know strippers. Well, I don't know strippers, but I know of strippers that have received Jesus Christ one day from just just walking out to their car and then, it, listen, I've gone on YouTube and I've done my research. I've talked to people who have friends of friends. I have a couple of friends who their lives was degradation, sin, and, and obnoxiousness. And they receive Jesus Christ in the weirdest places. Now, like, are, are, are they a full-fledged, you know, foaming at the mouth Catholic like me? No, they're not. But I'm working on them. And the ones that I don't know seem to be on the same road. Listen, I just got an interview. Uh, my wife sent me some food for thought. And this is what I'm talking about, the people who were in the bowels of hell before, the strippers and all the rest. She sent me an interview of a young girl who was what they're calling pansexual. Okay? Look it up. I'm not going to – this is a G-rated podcast. I'm not going to get into it. Who was pansexual, vegan, and every other woke nonsense, anti-Christian thing you could believe. This girl had severe, severe health problems one day. I'm fast forwarding the story. Severe health problems one day. 
and was in a hospital and she was succumbed to suicide. And I, I don't mean she was going to kill herself, but she was like, I have suicidal thoughts. I want to die. I think tonight I'm going to die. Please, I need to die. And she felt in her, inside herself that she was going to die. And she spoke to her mom. And both of these women are not Christians. New Ager, you know, the whole, you know, uh, meat is bad. Uh, that, that whole crew. But I don't have to tell you. I don't want to paint a picture of people because, frankly, I've met Christians with tattoos from the fingernail to the eyeball who are more Christ-like than the, the people that walking around with suits but then go worship Satan. That's another story. We shouldn't judge by the outward appearance. But when you see most of these folks, they have a certain persona and a certain exterior. She fits that persona. She fits that stereotype, unfortunately. In any case, she was ready to die one night in the hospital, and a Jamaican woman comes in. Now, how does she know she's Jamaican? Because the accent was clearly Caribbean. And this is what the lady's saying. She said she was Jamaican. Could be Caribbean, could be nondescript Caribbean. Doesn't matter. There was a woman from the islands who came in and said, what's wrong, honey? And she says, I'm so sick and I'm so tired and I want to die tonight. And the woman took her hand and said, we need to pray. And this girl had literally zero energy, but she got all the energy that she could find in her body to basically say, it's nonsense. God doesn't exist. I don't need your prayer. It's mumbo jumbo. All of it. Regardless, the lady prayed. The lady grabbed her weak hands and prayed the Lord's prayer and told her, not only will you be healed spiritually. She didn't say physically. She said, not only will you be healed, but you'll be a healer. You will become a healer for the nations. She said, I, I proclaim this all in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's it. The lady left. The next morning, the girl wakes up without vomiting, without puking up her guts, without the frequent diarrhea, without the passing out, with all the signs of sickness that she had. And what do you think she did? Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Wrong. She went back to screwing, to, to boozing, to drugging, to cursing out Christians and everything else. She went back to her same sinful lifestyle. It wasn't till many months later when she was in a sinful homosexual relationship that her girlfriend, quote, unquote, was talking to her about Buddhism. And frankly, she had no religion up until this time. So now this girl is on a, on a route to truth, so to speak, spiritual truth. So she starts studying about Buddhism, this, that, and the other thing. And by some way, she comes across Christianity in her studies of Buddhism, some, some fluke. And the first thing that she thought about was that lady from the islands in the hospital. She started to read more about angelic intervention and saintly intervention. And what she realized was that she needed to prove that this was not an angel, this was not a saint, this was not a holy person. So what is she going to do? She's going to go find this woman and say, ah, it's a coincidence. At very most, she had some power in herself. She's a prophet. But it's not from God because she's starting to realize God is starting to infuse her with the Holy Spirit that this was his gift to her. This was her chance to get on board. So what does she do? She goes and she starts researching people who were there. She starts looking to her medical records, speaking to her doctor. 
and she cannot find this woman. Now, people are going to say, oh, it could have been a visitor. No, 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 no. This woman clearly had a badge and a uniform on. Now, it could have been a fluke. Yeah, could it be some, some prankster? Absolutely. But the way this woman describes the feeling that she got when she realized that this person did not exist in the hospital system, she said it was by the power of God and the Holy Spirit. I realize that now. And it took her a couple of days to figure out what she was, she was you know, experiencing. You don't go from atheistic, you know, pansexual, uh, hookering, drinking, drugging person to Christian overnight. You know, St. Paul did. But she realized slowly but surely that she had been visited by an angel of God and that he'd given her a second chance. She immediately changed her life. And now you're going to ask me, is she completely healed? No, she's not completely healed. Here's the miracle of the story. She didn't get up and become not sick. She's now carrying her cross with the Lord. She's being crucified like the good thief. Yes, she got some initial healing, but now she's a joyous person suffering. She's a person suffering for a reason. She's given up her life to God. She's no longer miserable. Yes, is she sick? Does she throw up? Yeah, absolutely. But after the initial healing of the initial edge off of her sickness, she's now walking in the light of Christ. We need to do that, guys and gals. This is the story here. Just giving your life to Jesus is not going to be a glorious thing, and he's going to protect us from all uh, the sins of the world. He's going to protect us from the evil one, absolutely. But sometimes the evil one is used as his slave to glorify us. Same thing that happens in exorcisms. We need to worship him because it's the right thing to do, not because of the benefit we get out of it. Yes, the motivations sometimes are heaven and hell. Yes, I'm going, I want to go to heaven, and no, I don't want to go to hell. But the motivation, as my wife always says, and she reminds me on a daily basis, and I'll bless her for that, is the motivation is to love God just because it's the right thing to do. Just love God because it's the right thing to do. Follow his commandments because they're the right thing to do. You know, we ask a lot of questions in the, in the world, especially in the world of research, in the educated world, in, in, the, in the world of deep thought, and we forget to just do. We forget to just do. Me too. I'm always searching and I'm always with Vic and Dave and we're always digging into things and saying, why, why, why? And sometimes you just feel like mystery. It is what it is because it is the way it is. And that doesn't mean it's a cop out, but it means that we were given a deposit of faith over 2000 years ago. And that faith was given, that deposit of faith was given to us because he loves us, not because he wants us to to falter, it's because he doesn't want us to falter. He's created the earth and everything in between, from this, from space to the to the sea, the netherworld, and everywhere else. So the instructions and the prodding that I'm giving you guys today is: listen, if you're living a good Christian life, keep doing it. But if you have a pseudo occult life behind you, then we need to quit. We need to stop that. We need to realize the superstitious. Uh, here we go. Superstitious things and things that we become scrupulous with are against the will of God. They're not there to glorify God. They're not there to enhance his kingdom. They're there to enhance our our carnal nature. And that is what the prince of the world, aka the devil, wants. 
if you're all about me, 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 you're all about what's going to do it for me. How is the future going to be good for me? Um, all your prayers to God are about me. There's no thanksgiving and glory to God. Listen, yes, everyone asks God, can you help me out with this test? Can you help me out with this baseball game? Can you help me out with my wife? Can you help me out with my husband? Can you help me out with, with his finances, including myself? And there's no problem because the Lord said, ask and ye shall receive. Knock and it will be opened. But he also said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Amen. What's that mean? Glorify the Lord. Thank him every once in a while. Talk to your daddy in heaven. Stop asking him for stuff all the time and just say, you're it. You're the one. You're the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I'm sure the Lord does not get sick of our cries for help because he loves us and is the all-loving God. But let's be honest. Your prayers should not be genie wishes. That's another thing. Prayer can become superstitious. Glory be to God for the Holy Spirit, infusing my brain with these things that I had no idea I was going to speak about over an hour ago. Your prayer can become superstitious. If you're only praying, God help me, God help me, God help me, God help me, lighting candles, God help me, God help me, what are you doing? It's all about you. You've now become the center of your prayer. Pray for your brother. Pray for his, his needs and his wants. How good is the God in heaven that if he clothes the field and gives the bird something to eat, how much more does he love you, who are all more glory than Solomon? I screwed that Bible verse up. But what I'm trying to say is somebody was asking Jesus Christ about worry, about being worrying for tomorrow. He said, you have enough to worry about today. He said, Solomon in all his glory wasn't as, as good as one of these small flowers in the field. God provides for everyone and everything. It sometimes doesn't feel like that because we have a brain. He's given us a highly intelligent brain to think with. But stop praying for stuff. Stop praying for stuff and continue to just give glory to God. That's what you need to do. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, or reap, or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? 
or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Brothers and sisters, I want to thank you for being with me and for listening to the sound of my voice and allowing the Holy Spirit to inspire me in order to teach you and to bring you to the light for the glorification of Jesus Christ and his kingdom, for the forwarding of his message through the Holy Gospel and tradition of the One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. And I'd just like to pray for all of you right now. I'd like to pray for this podcast. I'd like to pray for its listeners, and I'd like to pray for your family members. So let's do that now, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the glorious cross for the glorification of the kingdom of heaven and for bringing souls to him, we ask you, Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that this podcast, that this episode in particular, will touch at least one heart, will open one mind, will give you one soul for your glory. We ask you, through the intercession of your most blessed Virgin Mother Mary, through St. Joseph, the terror of demons, through St. Padre Pio, through St. Gemma Galgani, through all the angels and saints and holy martyrs who have gone before us, glorifying you that we can take some small part in heaven here on earth by giving you all the glory. We ask you, Lord, to bless all the listeners and their family members, all the people that they send the message to all the individuals that they educate, all the individuals that they come across, that they be a sign of contradiction for this world, meaning that they show the Holy Cross, they show the gospel, they live the gospel, they spread the word of Jesus Christ and the holy prophets that come before him, all for the glory of heaven, all for your glory. We pray these things in your holy name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For questions, comments, or concerns, please contact us at editor at saintelliasmedia.com. Also, please visit our website at saintelliasmedia.com where you will find updated articles and additional resources. The St. Elias Report is hosted by George Anthony. It is produced by Vic Hermanson. Our technical director is David Griffith. The St. Elias Report is owned and operated by St. Elias Media and is a Masabki Brothers production. It's the